Hello everyone and welcome to the Sports Bird Podcast. My name is Dylan Bird and we are back with another week of waiver wire advice and injury replacements. Week 4 is in the books, week 5 is coming up this weekend, and I'm really excited to get to all this. Just like we did last week, we're going to run through all 32 NFL teams, we're going to talk about the injuries that they had, if they had any, and we're going to talk about possible waiver wire pickups on every single team in the NFL. Um, We did this last week. This is the format that we're going to go. I have a quad box in the back for each division. Um, You know, got to give the shout out to Scott Hansen there on Red Zone with the quad box. And this is the format that we're going to continue with for now for the rest of the season. And before we get started, if this is the first time that you're watching this, just want to let you know that I also have a website, sportsbird.com. I'm trying to get as much content on there as possible. Um, obviously there's going to be a big adjustment because I just started with all this content stuff. So it's going to take a little bit to get like a fully set schedule, but on Fridays, I'll be releasing my college football picks in an article. And I'm also be, I'll also be releasing another video with college football picks. And I have one more thing that is planned for later in this week that I will announce shortly. But before we start this, be sure to like this video. Be sure to subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. It really helps me out. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast instead of watching it, you could listen on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. The link is right below in the description, so be sure to click on that. Subscribe, rate, review. Everything would really help me out. So thank you for that, and now let's get started. So like normal, we start in the AFC East, and we start with the worst team in the NFL right now. Unfortunately, my favorite team, the New York Jets. The Jets are a complete disaster. Dropped a game this weekend to Brett Rippon, which basically makes me think that the Jets are really have a chance to go 0-16 this year. If you look at the schedule, there's not a lot of winnable games left. I know they play Miami twice. Okay, maybe you split there. They play Las Vegas, Cleveland. I, I don't really know where you're getting wins here. There's a, there's a, The schedule is impossible. They play the entire NFC West and the AFC West. They have you know the, the Cardinals coming up, and then they have the Chargers coming up. The Jets are, may actually go 0-16, and as long as Adam Gase is there, things are not going to get any better. The Jets scored 28 points this week and only had one offensive touchdown, which was a Sam Darnold ridiculous run. Now, Sam Darnold is looking like he may miss a few weeks with a shoulder sprain. I don't have that up on the graphic because when I made the graphics, it looked like Darnold was going to be okay for this for next week, but now it's looking like Joe Flacco is going to start. So, I mean, not that you're really playing any Jets in fantasy as I have up here because the Jets are 0-4. They scored less than 20 points in three out of you know the four games that they've played and the one game that they scored 28 this game it was only one offensive touchdown don't touch this team until either one there's a coaching change or two they're they've proven otherwise um you know talking about Le'Veon Bell he may return this week but if Flacco is the quarterback even if Darnold is the quarterback I don't see how you could put Le'Veon Bell in this Jets offense in your starting lineup there's just so many better options you could literally go to waivers and probably find somebody better than Bell um, and then Brashad Perryman missed um, week three and f- weeks three and four due to an ankle injury. May come back this week. I don't foresee anybody starting Brashad Perryman as he's barely owned in leagues anymore, but was to start the season. Now moving on to the Miami Dolphins, a team that looks like they are built well for the future, playing some decent football. Had a solid game against Seattle despite having a lo- having a loss. It was very competitive for most of the game. Uh, the only thing I have to say for the Dolphins is, if still available, you got to add Miles Gaskin. Like, he is the starting running back. Uh, the week four snap share, you had Gaskin at 63%, Breida at 25%, and Howard at 
Now, the annoying thing is you're going to have Jordan Howard likely as a vulture to Gaskin this entire year. He's literally playing the Mike Tolbert role where he comes in for one-yard touchdowns, and that's about it. Um, Gaskin in week four had 10 carries for 40 yards rushing, three receptions for 22 yards receiving. He currently has a huge role in the passing game in Miami. He is catching a lot of passes, so for PPR leagues, Gaskin is a little bit more valuable than a non-PPR league, but if Gaskin is available, you got to grab him. Um, Now, somebody who I had from the Dolphins on this thing last week was Mike Gesicki. Mike Gesicki, he looked great after week two. He only had one catch the last two weeks. In week three, that catch went for a touchdown. This week, it was only 15 yards. I have faith in Gesicki. I still think he's going to end as a top eight or top 10 tight end this year, but just didn't put him on the graphic because of the bad game he had. But I still think he's a good tight end option going forward. Now, looking at the Patriots, obviously, we had a postponement from the game being changed from Sunday afternoon to Monday night because Cam Newton had a positive COVID test. Obviously, Cam is one of the only real fantasy options on this offense right now, so he'll probably miss a few weeks with you know the positive test. But looking at that backfield, which has been so confusing, you know, you had Burke has three touchdowns last week. Uh, you don't really know what to think from this running back trio anyway, like you never do, but Damian Harris made his debut last night went 17 for 100 on the ground, which is really, really impressive considering he only had 31% of the snap share, which is actually less than James White, who had 53%, and Rex Burkhead, who had 35%. James White is going to be a good option for anybody that owns him in PPR. He's going to catch those passes like he does every year. He had seven on eight targets last night. That was the second most targets on the team. But Damian Harris is an interesting guy to watch out for. I don't know if I'd be jumping to pick him up right now just because the limited snap share and the Patriots are always weird with their running backs. They throw in different guys every week. One week, Damian Harris may get the most snap share on the team, and one week, he may be third. One week, he may only get six carries. Another week, he may get 17. You also have to keep in mind that Sony Michelle, which, again, was a late injury ad, so I don't have him on here, but Sony Michelle was placed on IR, so for the next few weeks, we should see just these three guys and not Michelle, which maybe means that Harris may be maybe better than I anticipate, but I wouldn't jump to pick up Harris. Maybe in, maybe in some deeper leagues, I'd consider it a little bit more, but we'll have to see what goes on with New England because I do not trust them as far as I could throw them. I never trust Belichick for fantasy. Nobody ever does. Now, moving on to the Buffalo Bills, you have I'm going to put up the same thing that I did last week. The offense is still rolling, and in deeper leagues, Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis remain options. If one of these receivers, John Brown or Stefan Diggs, goes down, Um, then these guys are going to produce a lot, especially in an offense that's absolutely rolling right now. Josh Allen looks amazing. And even with John Brown back this week, we had both of them catching touchdowns. Cole Beasley having three catches for 32 yards and a touchdown on four targets. And then Gabriel Davis, one for 26 on and one touchdown on only one target. Now, the interesting thing about Gabriel Davis is that On the season, he has eight receptions, 129 yards, and two touchdowns on eight targets. So every single time that Gabriel Davis has been targeted this year, it's been a completion. So I think that Davis may get a little bit of an increase in snap share as the season goes on. It's definitely something to monitor. And if you're in a very, very deep league, then maybe grab him, stash him on that bench for a little bit. Because if one of these receivers goes down, Davis could be a very, very good option. And moving on to the NFC North, we have the Baltimore Ravens, where there's not much to talk about in terms of fantasy. Um, But I do want to highlight the running back snap share, which has been bizarre. Gus Edwards got the most snaps on the team this week in terms of running backs. He had 40% of the snap share, had nine carries for 38 yards. J.K. Dobbins with 34%, 34 34.5%. 
J.K. Dobbins with 34.5%, 5 for 16 rushing, 1 for 1 receiving, and then Ingram only getting 25.5% of the snap share. 8 for 34 and a touchdown rushing, 1 for 3 receiving. I think this is one of those situations, uh, almost like New England, that you can't really trust going forward at all. One thing I do want to highlight is that if you have J.K. Dobbins on your team, it's definitely been frustrating. He's barely getting any touches, even though he seems to produce every single time he touches the ball. Hold off on dropping him. Just want to make, I don't, I don't, look, I don't know if anybody's going to actually drop him. I don't know if his own, his own percentage in fantasy is going to plummet, but do not consider dropping Dobbins. I consider him a long-term option. One, you never know if any of the running backs are going to go down and he could just take on that increased snap share. And two, I think that, you know, there's been no preseason games. So uh, John Harbaugh has not really had the chance to look at all these running backs extensively other than just practice, you know, in a, in a game setting, he hasn't really seen them. It's been only four games. I trust Dobbins to get an increase in snap share as the season goes on. Now, looking at the Cincinnati Bengals, there is one guy that I highlighted last week that I want to highlight again this week, and his name is T. Higgins. Four receptions, 77 yards on seven targets this week. Another solid performance once again. Second most targets on the team, 20% target share. Also had a carry for 13 yards. I really like T. Higgins in deeper formats. I'd very much consider picking him up because he seems like he may be set into that number three wide receiver role in Cincinnati. You know, obviously A.J. Green hasn't been great, but I still consider A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd above T. Higgins. But another big story has been Joe Burrow. I don't usually talk about quarterbacks in here because you could just grab a quarterback on the waiver wire any week, but if your quarterback play is struggling and you need a guy to pick up, Pick up Joe Burrow. He's been a top 10 quarterback so far, and he could be a good pickup, you know, as either a back, a really good backup for you or a starter even if needed, if you need to upgrade. Burrow is owned in a, in a ton of leagues so far, so I don't know if he's actually available in your league, but Joe Burrow has been awesome so far, and I only expect him to get better as the season goes. Now, moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had the bye because of COVID, so we're not going to talk about them this week. Moving right on to the Cleveland Browns. Nick Chubb is the big news of the week left the game with a knee injury and will miss six weeks. Not good for the Browns, not good for Chubb fantasy owners, but amazing for Kareem Hunt fantasy owners. Kareem Hunt had 34.2% of the snap share this game, and he took advantage of it. 11 carries, 71 yards, and two touchdowns rushing. And then the interesting thing here is they also gave Ernest Johnson a ton of carries. He had more carries than Kareem Hunt, 23.3% of the snap share. He took these 13 carries that he got for 95 yards. I know Dallas has an awful, awful defense, but Ernest Johnson is going to be the number one waiver wire pickup this week. He's got to be. If they decide they want to use Ernest Johnson in a Nick Chubb type role, even if he doesn't get as much carries, Dearness Johnson is a guy that could definitely produce. They definitely love using two running backs in Cleveland, so I expect Dearness Johnson to be a really, really good option for the next six weeks. And, you know, I, if I got him, I don't know if I would start him, you know, right off the bat, but I think that he could be a good option if they're going to give him this amount of carries each week. Now, we understand that the Browns were up by a lot in this game, so they may have just been, you know, trying to run down some clock, which is why they were giving him carries. But the point is, is that they were giving the carries to Dearness Johnson and not only to Kareem Hunt. So that's absolutely huge. Again, Dearness Johnson, the number one waiver wire pickup for me this week. Moving on to the AFC South, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's not much to say about the Jaguars, but Tyler Eifert left the game with a concussion. If you're in a very deep league and you own him, you don't know if he's going to play next week. I assume that barely anyone is starting him though. 
Then we look at at the wide receiver position where you have DJ Chark who returned from his chest slash back injury, returned with eight catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns on nine targets, which was 25% of the target share. And like I said, wide receiver LaVisca Chenault will be the number two wide receiver on this Jacksonville team by the end of the year, if he isn't already. He had five receptions for 86 yards on six targets, 16.7% of the target share. And then he had one rush for five yards. Now the thing is, is that LaVisca Chenault, he kind of, he gets a few carries each game. He kind of plays in a wildcat set that they have. I really like LaVisca Chenault, and I think that by the middle to end of the year, he's going to be the Debo Samuel of last year, where he's putting up 10 to 11 points consistently every single week in terms of non-PPR, but then even more, maybe even close to 15, 14, 13 per week in PPR formats. So I really like LaVisca Chenault. If he's still available in your league, be sure to pick him up because you may not be able to do it later. Now moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. Same injuries that are, you know, these guys are going to be out for a while. Paris Campbell with the PCL injury. Michael Pittman with the calf injury out until at least week eight. So I said last week, who's going to replace them? Zach Pascal is going to be one of them. And that was the truth, even though he only had three catches for 58 yards. He had a team leading eight targets, which was 27.6% of the target share. I'm pretty sure nobody even nobody else even had more than five targets. So Pascal's going to be utilized a lot in Indianapolis the next few weeks. Uh, if you're in a deep league, consider picking him up. And then Mo Ali Cox, he's a must-add at tight end. If you need a backup, if you even need a starter, Molly Cox only had one one reception this week, but it did go for a touchdown, a 13-yard touchdown. He only had two targets, but look at the other previous weeks. He scored a touchdown against the Jets, and then the week before, he had over 100 yards receiving. It's pretty clear to me that they like Ollie Cox in this offense better than they do Jack Doyle at this point, and I think that Mo Ali Cox is going to be a good option going forward. Moving on to the Titans, they had the bye week because of COVID, but news, good news is that A.J. Brown will be back likely next week. Um, he's missed the last two games with a knee injury, and that's really good to see that he's probably going to get back on the field against Buffalo next week. Moving on to the Houston Texans, the team is an absolute dumpster fire. Only thing to report on them is that tight end Jordan Atkins, I don't really know if anybody owns him, but decided I'd throw it up there anyway. Left the game with a concussion, and this team looks absolutely atrocious, so much so that Bill O'Brien got fired. Really, really good for Deshaun Watson, people. Uh, I think that this offense is probably going to take a kickstart because honestly, it could not get much worse under Bill O'Brien. And I know Deshaun Watson has been very disappointing thus far this year. One of the reasons for that is because Hopkins is not there. The other reasons for that is because Bill O'Brien literally just wants to run the ball. He said in a press conference the other day that they ran the ball 26 times and it still wasn't enough. So look, I think he just would have kept running David Johnson going forward. Now, whoever steps into this this play calling duty. I don't really know who it's going to be because Romeo Cornell is the intern. He's a defensive guy. He's not going to call plays, but whoever steps in here, I would likely think is going to be better than Bill O'Brien. So Deshaun Watson owners rejoice. Looking at the AFC West, you have the Kansas City Chiefs who are the best team in football. I don't even know if it's close. This team is insane. They may not lose a game. And other than that, there's no injuries, no waiver wire news to report, but good for them. They're incredible. I love watching them. So does everyone else. Looking at the Chargers, other big injury news is that Austin Eckler was placed on IR with what is a serious hamstring injury. Now, who's going to benefit from that? Obviously, Josh Kelly, who was a popular waiver pickup all the way back after week one at the very beginning of the season. Looking at the snap share, you had Kelly grabbing 58% and then Justin Jackson getting 38%. Both 
both players were not very good rushing. There was not a ton of rushing the ball in this game in general. It was a very high-scoring game. Um, but Kelly, nine rushes, seventy only seven yards. He had three catches for 26. And then you had Justin Jackson, who had six carries for nine yards rushing. And then two for, tw- two for 12 receiving. Not much else to say here in terms of the running back situation. I think that it's possible that Justin Jackson is maybe a deep league option in a week or two I I wouldn't pick him up right now but if he's going to get 38% of the snap share he's probably going to score some points I still expect Kelly to be the guy in Los Angeles but look I'm just saying keep an eye on Justin Jackson in weeks moving forward the one other thing I want to mention here is that Justin Herbert has looked fantastic could be a top 10 fantasy option for the rest of the season if he keeps playing like this I don't know if he's going to keep this up but He's been incredible. He had 290 yards and three touchdowns in week four against the Bucks. He is NFL ready, and Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn needs to commit to him as the starting quarterback as soon as possible. Moving on to Vegas for the Raiders. Wide receiver Henry Ruggs missed his second straight game with a hamstring injury. And like I said, Hunter Renfro was the guy who benefited. Five for 57 receiving on eight targets. But like I said, pump the brakes on Ren- like I said last week, pump the brakes on Renfro a little bit because Darren Waller, once he looks fully healthy, which he did this week, is going to get a ton more targets than Renfro. Waller had 12 targets compared to Renfro's eight, and Waller had eight for 88. So again, I like Renfro in deep leagues. Still pick him up if he's there, but expect a drop in productivity once Henry Ruggs returns to this lineup, which could be next week or the week after. Now, looking at the Denver Broncos, you have my entire screen filled here just because almost completely with injuries, seriously. And you have Philip Lindsay, who misses third consecutive game with a toe injury. Cortland Sutton after the season with an ACL. Drew Locke out at least one to two more weeks, but possibly even more with a shoulder injury. And Noah Fant left Thursday's game, one of the top tight ends this year, left Thursday's game with an ankle injury. Expected to be missed, expected to be week to week, but missed the game against the Patriots next week. And then you have KJ Hamler, who I said to expect an increase in target share and production from him. He left the game with a concussion before he even recorded a catch against the Jets. So who's the one guy you could look at in this offense going forward? Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick is a guy that should be on everyone's radar as long as there are this many injuries. He had six six receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown on a team leading seven targets. This is the second straight week he scored a TD. And look, this guy's pretty good, and Denver seems to be targeting him a lot with all these injuries, so keep an eye on him if you're in really deep league, not a bad pickup at all. And on to the NFC East, that is clearly the worst division in football, and it is not even close. You have the Dallas Cowboys, who I'm going to say the same thing that I said last week with them. Dalton Schultz, the tight end who's filling in for Blake Jarwin, who is missing the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Dalton Schultz is a must-add at tight end. This guy is going to end as a top-eight tight end, and there's no doubt about that. With the Cowboys' defense being so bad, they are throwing the ball so much. And looking at last week, week looking at week four, Dalton Schultz had four receptions, 72 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets, 16.7% of the target share, which is second most on the team. Um, and this has not been the first time that Schultz has gone off. Week two, he had nine for 88 and a touchdown on 10 targets. And then week three, he had four for 48 on six targets. This guy's going to keep catching passes as long as Dallas is throwing this much, which I anticipate that they're going to do because their defense is really that that bad. So you can literally pick up a starting tight end in Don Schultz right now if he's still there in your league. Moving on to the Giants, who are almost as much of a disgrace as the New York Jets. You have Sterling Shepard, who is on IR with a toe injury. So we kind of expected 
wide receivers Golden Tate and Darius Slayton and tight end Evan Ingram to take a little bit of an increase in targets and receptions and just project production in general. But it turns out that the Giants could barely move the ball on offense, which is a major problem. So I wouldn't really play any Giants right now, but if you're looking at the running back snap share, which was another big topic of conversation with Saquon Barkley gone for the year, Devonta Freeman, as expected, grabbed the majority of the target share in this one at 53%, but he only had 11 for 33 rushing, 4 for 35 receiving, and then you have Lewis at 31.8%, Gallman at 15.2%. This offense is just not going to produce in general so I almost would act like they're the Jets and just not really touch them until they prove that they can actually move the football. Now looking at Washington nothing much to report there in terms of injuries and waiver wire moves. I've already talked about Logan Thomas but Logan Thomas had a really bad week this week didn't get a ton of targets so I'm looking at other tight ends. Moving on to the Eagles they are absolutely injury riddled where you have Dallas Goddard on the IR with a fractured ankle. You have Deshaun Jackson, who missed week four this week as well with a hamstring injury. And then you have Jalen Rieger on IR with a thumb injury. Not listed, you also had guys like J.J. Archega-Whiteside out. You had guys like Alshon Jeffrey, who are still not playing. And as a result, Greg Ward led the team in targets for the second straight game. And he had 25% of the target share. Seven targets, he had four catches for 38 yards, which again, not great actual production, but in terms of the target share number, that's something that's really, really encouraging. Greg Ward is a good option to pick up in all leagues, as long as all these Philly weapons remain out, and look, they're all not going to come back at once, so I'd pick up Greg Ward if you need a receiver. And to the NFC North, we have the Green Bay Packers. We had Devontae Adams miss his second straight game with a hamstring injury, and now we have Alan Lazard, who was placed on IR for a core muscle injury. Now, Alan Lazard was basically my number one pickup last week, which is so frustrating. I grabbed him and was ready to start him in a league. Then he goes down right before Thursday night, which was absolutely brutal. So had to do some maneuvering, had to do some maneuvering, but ended up being okay. Got the win in that league this week whatever. The biggest takeaway from last night's game for the Packers is that Robert Tanyan is the number one tight end pickup this week. Um, I'd probably take him over Dalton Schultz and I'd probably take him over, definitely would take him over Mo Ali Cox. Um, I expect that Schultz is owned in most leagues at this point, but Tanyan is definitely not. Robert Tanyan, six receptions for 98 yards and three touchdowns last night on six targets. He has scored a touchdown in at least one touchdown in the last three games. So I don't really think that this one three-touchdown game is a major fluke. It's definitely in it's it's definitely much in part due to injuries at wide receiver for the Packers. But I do not think that this is a fluke. I think he's going to be really solid, especially with this Packers offense that is absolutely rolling right now. So pick up Robert Tanyan if you need a tight end. Now looking at the Chicago Bears, there's not really much to say there. But I did mention that Jimmy Graham was a good pick up a tight end. Last week, he only had four receptions for 33 yards on five targets, which is only an 11.9% target share this week. I still think Jimmy Graham's an option if you need a tight end. Now, I'm going to take Tanyan, I'm going to take Schultz, and I'm going to take Moali Cox above him, but I still think Graham could be an option. Now, looking at the Minnesota Vikings, you have Justin Jefferson, who was one of my top pickups last week behind Lazard. He was my second wide receiver waiver pickup, and he remains a top receiver pickup this week, he followed up his seven-catch, 175-yard, and a touchdown performance last week and comes in with a four-reception, 103-yard performance on five targets this week, which was 22.7% of, of the target share. He's Minnesota's wide receiver, too. 
I really like Jefferson as a waiver pickup. We saw Stefan Diggs have a lot of success next to Thielen. I think that basically Justin Jefferson is being just plugged in there as the number two wide receiver target. Um, so I think Jefferson is going to continue to have success. He, he may end up having the best year out of any rookie wide receiver not named CeeDee Lamb. So pick up Jefferson if he is available in your league. Now looking at the Detroit Lions, we're going to go back to the same thing we talk about every week, and that is the running back snap share, which nobody really knows what's going on. Adrian Peterson, 42.9%, 11 carries, 36 yards, and a touchdown rushing. Then you have DeAndre Swift, who got a pretty big increase that uh, in snap share compared to last week. 37.5% this week, kind of right behind Adrian Peterson there. He had only four carries, though, for 22 yards, and then had four for 30 receiving and a touchdown there. Carryon Johnson seems to have kind of fallen out of favor in Detroit. 19.6% snap share, only three carries for nine yards rushing, one catch for three yards receiving. The point is here is that I trust DeAndre Swift to have this job by the end of the year. I don't trust Peterson. Um, for more than just the very, very near future, so next few weeks. And I think that Swift snap share is going to slowly rise as the season goes on. Now moving on to the NFC South here, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who had, who were at, who were without Chris Godwin, who had a hamstring injury this week, and they also lost tight end OJ Howard with an Achilles injury for the rest of the season. Now something that should be of note in terms of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that whenever Godwin is out, and this will be the case if Evans misses a game in the future, Scotty Miller might actually be a really, really solid play in fantasy leagues. Um, he pretty much just takes over that number two wide receiver spot as soon as one of them are out. He had five catches for 83 yards and a touchdown on seven targets, which is a 15.2% target share. He should be picked up in deeper leagues. Um, pretty much storm on the bench in case Godwin or Evans gets hurt because he produces in that spot. Looking at the Atlanta Falcons, who looked absolutely dreadful on Monday Night Football last night against the Packers, they're off to an 0-4 start, which is definitely not good, and Julio Jones left the game with a hamstring injury. Um, his hamstring has been an issue this year, and I think he could miss some time. I think that they're going to let him rest a few weeks to heal that up you know, completely before he comes back. But not much else to say. I did mention Brian Hill last week. It still seems like they, you know, they gave Gurley most of the carries last night. Brian Hill only had four carries. Gurley did have two touchdowns. So again, Brian Hill. That's my that's my big prediction for the end of the year is that Hill is going to end up taking most of the snap share. But we'll see if that ends up happening. Uh, I don't think Gurley looks great. Like it didn't look like he cut that well. So we'll see what happens there. But. Not much else to say about Atlanta right now besides the fact that they're absolutely horrible. Now moving on to New Orleans, Michael Thomas missed his third consecutive game with an ankle injury, and as a result, wide receiver Traquan Smith, 4 for 54 and two touchdowns receiving on four targets. Um, now Thomas is going to come back either this week or the next, it seems, so I would not put too much stock into that. And other than that, not much else to say about New Orleans. Now moving on to the Carolina Panthers, you have running back Christian McCaffrey, who will be out at least another week with an ankle injury, and that means that Mike Davis is going to continue to be a top fantasy play, as he, once again this week, pretty much just took his place, had 16 for 84 and a touchdown rushing, 5 for 27 receiving on 6 targets. All those who picked up Mike Davis a few weeks ago when McCaffrey went down are looking really, really good right now. Now moving on to our last division, the NFC West, we have the Seattle Seahawks who still look great as a team, not much to report in terms of injuries, not much to report in terms of waiver pickups. So moving right to the Arizona Cardinals, I want to take a look at the running back snap share here. And this is really interesting. Drake, Kenyon Drake gets 65.5% of the snaps, 
only 13 uh he gets 13 carries for only 35 yards rushing and then you have chase edmonds who gets 36.4 percent of the snaps four for 16 rushing five for 24 and a touchdown receiving another prediction i have chase edmonds is better than Kenyon drake and will be the starting running back by the end of the year so my advice to you is that if your team is sitting pretty right now and you don't really need to do anything on waivers then maybe pick up chase edmonds right now if he's still available and just stash him on the bench for the rest of the year if drake gets hurt or if drake just continues to not produce chase edmonds is going to end up being a really really good play by middle to end of the season so if he's available take Edmonds and stash him right on the bench. Now looking at the 49ers who are pretty much taking up my entire slide here with injuries, you have Mostert and Coleman who both missed their second consecutive game. And then you have Jimmy Garoppolo with, who missed his second consecutive game with an ankle injury. But good news for the Niners, this time you had tight end George Kittle who returned from his knee injury, 15 catches, 183 yards and a touchdown on 15 targets absolutely ridiculous he's insane might be the best tight end in football you know I, I think it's possible he's better than Kelsey like I really do and then you have wide receiver Debo Samuel who played in his first game of the season had limited snaps but had three catches for 35 yards receiving on three targets one for 10 rushing now Jarek McKinnon filling in for Mostert and Coleman looks really really good he got 90% of the snap share which is a obviously a ton 14 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown rushing. 7 for 43 receiving on 8 targets. But it looks like Mostert will be returning next week. So I don't think that McKinnon is going to hold too much value going forward. But I don't, don't think I, I also don't think I would drop McKinnon because he looked really, really good. And you don't really know what the 49ers are going to do in terms of running back by committee. If they're going to stick with Mostert, if they are going to use McKinnon still. So I just kind of stash McKinnon on the bench for the rest of the year. Um, unless you 100% need to drop him to do something else. Um, and then the other uh, guy I want to highlight here is wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, who scored a touchdown in his second straight game, the first-round rookie out of Arizona State. He had one of the best touchdowns I've seen in a very long time. He had that 38-yard rush, hurdling the defender right before he goes in the end zone. Absolutely amazing play. Ayuk is crazy athletic, speedy. He seems like a perfect San Francisco wide receiver, so... Look for him to be used a ton this year as well. Ayuk would probably only be a pickup in deeper formats, but you still may want to look at him no matter what league you're in. Now going to our last team, the Los Angeles Rams, you had running back Cam Akers who missed his second straight game with a rib injury, and just when we thought Daryl Henderson was the guy at running back, Sean McVay said, nope, and Malcolm Brown got 61.4% of the snap share. Henderson only gets 38.4% of the snap share, and Brown goes for 9 for 37 rushing, uh, 5 for 19 receiving, and Henderson only goes for 8 eight for 22 rushing and 1 for 16 receiving. I'm not really sure what to make of this. I dropped Malcolm Brown in the league because I thought Henderson was the guy. Now it looks like Malcolm Brown may be worth earning, owning again. You don't really know. All I know is that it's clear that you cannot trust the Los Angeles Rams' running back situation going forward. That's pretty clear to me. Thank you to everyone for watching this video. I just wanted to remind you that if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this channel. Also, be sure to smash the like button on this video. It really helps me a lot. And the Sportsbird podcast is available on all platforms. So download it on your phones, Apple, Spotify, whatever you use, go download it. Also, you can check out www.sportsbird.com, which is my website. I have a fantasy football trade analyzer on there. So be sure to submit your trades and I'll respond to you as soon as I could. I'll send you an email when it's done and you'll be able to open it and hear my advice. Um, it's definitely a 
a part of my website that has been utilized a lot by many people throughout the last few years. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at sports underscore bird. Feel free to DM me. Feel free to tweet at me any fantasy football questions you had. You have. I'm really looking forward to just interacting with a ton of people. Goodbye, everyone, and good luck with your waiver claims this week.